Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. All right, let's get after it. Michael Ball along with Sean Kleisinger. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, the water's running down the street. Feels like spring. Just get rid of this damn snow already. Playoff hockey's around the corner in the Western Hockey League underway in the SJHL, and we're getting close to NHL playoff hockey, too. Lots on the show. Um, I'm just going to break it down for you in the first half an hour. Coming up here... uh, on the other side of our first break, we'll hear from the Montreal Alouettes from earlier this week as uh, all the teams made their coaches and GMs available at the CFL Combine, which is well underway in Edmonton. So we'll hear from Jason Moss and Danny Machocha. We're also going to hear from our health and lifestyle expert, Train with Tish, talking about weight loss and how you can... Three things to help you keep the weight off. Wavel Star, the First Nation sensation, joins us after 3.30 to talk about the WWE. They're going to some... Uh, State gambling commissions, uh, Michigan and Colorado, to name two of them, to see about being able to have people bet on their matches. Th- that would that's like betting on the end of a TV show. Imagine going to the, the Galaxy Cinemas and be like, "I bet that the Permian yeah, Panthers yeah. are going to win this football game yeah, Friday yeah, Night yeah. Lights." I'm going to bet. Come on, I'm going to bet that there will be a Fast and Furious Eleven. Like, come on, crazy. Uh, We'll talk to him about that and if it's really possible. Adam Burke, March Madness. This is the guy, our betting analyst, who uh, correctly picked Furman over Virginia. One of his great predictions. So we'll see what he thinks in the Sweet 16, which gets underway at 4.30. You You didn't put down any money. Believe me, it sucks. Still lots to come, but that's our first half an hour. But first, Singer, let's start with one of these. Another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Number one in the pick six. CFL Combine, I hear, is going on in Edmonton. The uh, results are flooding in. Jake Kelly finished with the best vertical at 40.5 inches. He's a DB out of Bishops. Charlie Ringland of the U.S. Huskies was second at a 40-inch vertical. That's pretty good. Bench press a couple of globals. Tied with 29 reps of 225 pounds. D lineman out of the University of West England, Max Parkinson, and D lineman out of Hawaii. So he's a fake global. Tayala Blessman. Uh, my my thing is, we've talked about this. Why can't we see this? This would be like, hey, Ballsy. I heard Ballsy is a great steakhouse. Really? I didn't know. Well, he didn't advertise because he thought you'd come. Oh, really? Well, I, I just went to the keg. 
Like, how dumb are these guys? Listen, I am the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I love the CFL. But these guys can't get out of their own way. Zinger, when the Great Cup was here, did I not ask the commissioner, can we do CFL week? And he said, great idea. It was a great idea, but we've moved past it now. We're looking more on the digital side. I don't expect this thing to be on TV because they barely pay attention to their own draft. But is it hard to put up like a web stream camera and have a couple of people talk? I mean, just something, you know, just something. Didn't they do this last year? Uh, It's been on, like... Hire the dudes from Free Down Nation, Dunk... Hodge, Abbott, they're there already. They're into the digital era now. Yeah, they are, yeah. Just remember that. Crazy. All right, let's get to this one. Refing is really bad everywhere. Yesterday, the NBA took it to a new level. Okay? Oh, goodness. So the Mavericks are playing the Golden State Warriors. The ball's out of bounds. The ref awards the ball to Dallas. They go to a timeout. They come back from the timeout. Dallas is at the other end of the court, offensive side of the court. Golden State's on the Mavericks side of the court under the Mavericks hoop. They blow the play in, an uncontested dunk, and it was a two-point win for Golden State. Mark Cuban, and rightfully so, has filed a protest on the game. Probably nothing comes of this, Zinger. Uh, But I'll tell you what, man. Like Between the NBA... The NFL and the NHL, the roughing is getting worse. I have a lot of Major League Baseball for what these guys call with the balls and strikes and the close plays at the plate or at the bases. They are right more often than they're not. So I, I think Major League Baseball, pretty they good. might be the best uh, actually, out, of the, out of the four C- big leagues. CFL's pretty good given the money that goes into it. But you know those sports that's the best for roughing? Curling. Because they police themselves. Speaking of curling, Canada lost to Japan 6-5 at the World Women's Curling Championship there, 6-4. Zeke Elliott deciding between the Bengals, Jets, and Eagles and wants to choose a team by the end of the week. He might sway his decision this way. He wants to wear his college number, number 15. Only Chris Strebler wears 15 out of those three teams with the Jets, the former Bomber quarterback. So if he's looking for 15 and wearing that, it's probably the Bengals or the Eagles. He should go to Philly just to stick it to the Cowboys. He spent one year at Ohio State when Joe Burrow was yeah. still at Ohio so State. There you too, go. So there's a little And I'll connection. tell you that. I hope he goes to the Bengals, actually. He's only 28, and he's already kind of washed. Yeah. Let's get to this. Come on. He's, uh... Check this out. Jordan Spieth continues to prevail in the craziest ways. He's a three-time major winner. And he turned another viral Aaron T-shot into an impressive par at the WGC Dell Technologies match play. Check this out. His ball flew into the gallery, hit a fan, ricocheted into a kid's phone, broke that kid's phone, stayed in play, landed on a cart path from which he got relief dropping next to a boulder, got up and down for a par with a 30-footer. Oh, Happy Gilmore. Tell you what. Here, I, I got to think it. First of all, hopefully he pays for the kid's phone. Secondly, we're spectator sports, in order in my opinion. Car racing, curling, and golf. Because the only thing that happens cool in, in, in car racing is a, at the finish line, or if there's a crash. In golf, you got to walk to watch it, and you're behind the big tall guy from Happy Gilmore. I'll see you yeah. in the parking lot. I would rather watch racing than golf and because cur- maybe it's exhilarating when the cars whip around yeah. your way. And curling, and curling, That'd if you're cool. at the event, 
depending where you're sitting, you can't see maybe the ice sheet you want to watch. There's so much going on. So yeah, those are my three, the three worst, uh, the three worst sporting events in order. And lastly, lastly, let's get to this. Number six in the pick six. Uh, we talked about rider pricing, uh, and they're looking at uh, altering their pricing. You know, BC's offering a BC Place $5 hot dogs, beer, and popcorn. Riders are looking at reducing their pricing, working with Real, and slashing some uh, seat prices, like the amount of seats. You know, they didn't have enough cheaper seats, so they're uh, finalizing that. Got some great uh, text at the Real Ballsy. Uh, this from uh, Taylor. Uh, Last year was a great step with the family-friendly concession pricing. Kids combos helped keep a little more money in my pocket. Well, maybe, actually, I think I spent more, but I got a lot more value for it. That's good. Um, This from, I think, Pat. Hopefully, the talent they bring in will make up for their boring free agency. I thought they had boring free agency. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, that was pretty good. Wow. Uh, and somebody okay. else somebody else was shocked that Edmonton found that I picked the Riders as the best jerseys. A lot oh. of people were into that jersey list. They, they had, love, even the Montreal yeah, Alouettes, the Alouettes Twitter page well, got they, in the on the The Alouettes fun. didn't like me because they said, oh, it looks like Ballsy's an, uh, an Owls fan. Because I picked the Owls with the worst unis out of the nine teams. Mm. And I second worst free agency. I know you did. I know you did. That's a weird one to I know you did. I know you did. And this one uh, comes from Chris. Chris says, great that the riders are looking after their fans or looking into it. The next thing they need to do is work on tailgating. No reason why the uh, city and real cannot set up a designated area for vehicles to park and tailgate before the game. It would greatly enhance the atmosphere. I agree with that. Whatever there needs happened to, be tailgating. to the party on the practice field? Remember old well, Taylor away Field? For, when, well, I know. Now they do it in the Confederation Park. Yeah, I know, but it, it doesn't have the same no, thing. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. doesn't have the it same doesn't. vibe. They need to have tailgating. Let's get our heads out of our butts and get into this century. Every other place at parties, we even Winnipeg is tailgating. And that we was don't. like prototypical NFL tailgating, though, on that practice field back yeah, in the was. day like that. It was. They got to bring that back. It it's was way better in my Way opinion. better. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk some WWE and betting on the matches. Uh, you're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Jackson Ford's taking place in the uh, taking uh, part in the combine. Pardon me, grandson of Al Ford from the Rams. His mom sent a tweet in to me at the Real Ballsy. Very disappointed that the CFL Combine is not streaming. All oh, these kids, I didn't even know anything about them. They're they're nobodies. Nobody cares about Canadian University players. It's because you don't make them care. You don't promote them. It's the digital age, though. Remember that. Well, it's the radio age. We do it here on the Sports Cage. We talk to all the movers and shakers. We care about our three-down game at all levels. Of course we care, but why do the commissioner... I don't care about anybody else. Forget it. We'll just do it ourselves. We got the draft here from the first pick to the last pick, May the 2nd. That's true. Anyway, uh, Montreal Alouettes made themselves available to the media with Jason Moss, the new head coach, and the GM, Danny Machocha, who I happen to like. And uh, this first question's hilarious. Why would, listen, why would the Alouettes care when the CFL doesn't care? First of all, Danny, how much emphasis do you put on the combine in your overall analysis? I mean, obviously, film speaks for itself. I mean, we spend a lot of time watching film, and um, that's where most of our time is, uh, I would say, is is concentrated. Having said that, 
the, the, the combine gives us an opportunity to see them perform live in front of us, just to see the, the way they, uh, they interact with, uh, with, uh, with other teammates, the way they take in information, uh, the way they, uh, they manage, um, you know, a drill when they go on, um, if, if there's a one-on-one, how, uh, how they manage uh, when they come out on top of it or when they come out on the short end of it, just the, the body language, just the, just the, 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 the whole demeanor as far as the individual is concerned. Obviously, the interview is going to be part of the process here, uh, just to see how they handle themselves in an interview where there's going to be their, you know, head coach and, and football ops people that are going to, you know, they're going to be like a little bit of a rapid fire uh, number of questions because we only have a 15 minute block. So uh, you just get a more accurate reading of basically uh, what you see on film. And if if it transfers uh, to the weekend that, the, the, that you know, that we've got before us, uh, but it's not the end all be all, uh, but it definitely is an indicator of maybe what the uh, what we see on film and uh, but you know obviously it's going to be something that's going to be important for us just to get a, a good feel for these individuals that are going to be participating here this week and we're going to factor it in in our evaluation. Maybe one for Jason. Um, Jason, tell me, you know the quarterback. Um, is it easier to build a team around a QB that you know already? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you have familiarity with the quarterback, um, obviously there's a comfort level with what he can and cannot do and what his strengths and weaknesses will be. So, yes, it's a little bit easier having a relationship already established, having coached that player. Uh, you know what he's like in meetings. You know what uh, kind of information he can um, understand and how much volume he can deal with. You know, and obviously the familiarity with a system that you would like to run. So I think uh, you're going to see Cody hit the ground running in training camp, be out there leading us, you know, knowing the system that we're running. So next question is from John Hodge. Please go ahead, John. Merci. Bonjour, Danny. Uh, two questions for you. The first one, we know that every year the, the top prospects in the draft always go a little bit later because of NFL interest. In 2020, for instance, you took a futures pick in Carter O'Donnell in the third round. Because you have three selections on the first 13 picks of the draft, do you feel like you have more freedom to take a future with one of those picks? You know, I just don't want to tip my hand here today as far as what our strategy is going to be in, in the draft. But you are right. We did take O'Donnell, but we also took Dequois and we also took Lestage. Uh, knowing full well that they had, uh, you know, they were PFAs and they had an opportunity to go to training camp. And, you know, one we got that same year that we picked them uh, or the following year because of the COVID year. And then uh, with Lestage, we got them a year later. So you have to be extremely strategic when you take a look at, uh, at the uh, at some of these kids are either going to get drafted late or are going to be priority free agents. And and that goes into the work of a uh, football ops department. We need to call the, the team that drafts them or puts them under contract and see, you know, what their plans are for these players. And then, you know, uh, collect all the data and then you know, sit down, decide, you know, what do we want to do at five? What do we want to do at seven? What do we want to do at 13? And, and, uh, and do we want to pick them and sit on them or do we want to make sure that we have someone that we're going to pick and bring the training cap. So these are all topics of conversation that I anticipate that we're going to have here over the next little while. But to answer your question, it does give us uh, some flexibility. Yes. My second question is regarding uh, Tyrell Richards, who you took with the first pick in last year's draft. He played seven games last year, had a knee issue, had, I believe, a quad issue. 
are you anticipating that he'll be healthy for training camp? And if so, what do you foresee his role being in 2023? Well, all indications are that he's 100% as we speak. If we were going to training camp next week, he should be a you know, full goal. He's going he's gonna to get the green light medically to come out and compete first day of camp. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of, uh, of Richards. You know, we all saw what we saw last year. Unfortunately, you know, he was, um, you know, he was hit with a couple of injuries that shortened the season. But we've got big expectations uh, for Richards. We think he can be a dominating player uh, on special teams, and we think he can possibly have a, an impact on the defensive side of the ball. He's the type of guy that you can line at middle linebacker, at outside backer. You can line him up off the edge. You know, we've you know we've seen him do it at Syracuse. And let's not forget that preseason game where you know where he came clean to the quarterback, was able to you know get to the quarterback, jostled the, the ball free, and we we turned it into a a big turnover. So he's got that big play potential. Uh, his biggest challenge is obviously is uh, to stay healthy. Uh, and if he comes in with the right mindset, which we anticipate, uh, he should be a force to be reckoned with. That's Danny Machocha along with Jason Moss. Uh, we'll hear a little more from them a little later on in the show. We'll uh, replay it and uh, get a few more comments there. Taking your text at 936-6262. Our text line is powered by the Capital Auto Mall. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Um, dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. You can weigh in on anything. The, the jerseys, uh, my jersey debate, what I like as the best jerseys. Somebody sent in one and said they like that gun metallic BC Lions jersey the whole like the gray Ooh. it's nice but Hamilton not... has one like that too yeah Maybe Hamilton. the one they wore uh, they, the hammer jersey I don't like that one as much uh, that BC Lion one is nice to buy to see on the field but as a as a play-by-play guy, murderous with the numbers. Not a big fan. Mm-hmm. So you can weigh in on that. You can weigh in on uh, who you think won free agency. I said Hamilton did. Zinger said um, the uh, Riders did. I had the Riders at number two. Um, oh, we got this text here from Connie in Cook's Creek. Such a killer that the biggest national playoffs and championship game are not broadcast on a national broadcaster. They'll do an hourly show every day of the week to lead up for soccer. The media company will build up and put more effort into sports outside of our border. Well, we have seen the change in broadcasting given the most exciting games in sports. Congrats to the CFL for giving us an emotional roller coaster of a game. Now, don't get me started on CFL week or versus global combines because uh, those are wrong priorities. Yeah, like, listen... CFL doesn't do everything wrong, but they're not doing themselves any favors this week by not giving us the combine. Listen, I'm not a huge fan of watching guys in gym shorts lift the weights and everything like that, but it builds momentum. It builds. So when these guys hit the league, like, holy cow, Jackson Ford, Mm -hmm. Al Ford's grandfather. Or Al Ford's grandfather, he just ran a 4-5-40. I can't wait to see that guy in the CFL instead of. Who's this Ford guy? Is he related to Al Ford? Well, like, you know what I, I mean? remember a couple of years ago when Atlee Simon of the Rams was at the Combine. I was watching the stream of like the one-on-one drills on CFL.ca. Yeah. Like, how come that's not there anymore? It doesn't make any well, sense. Well, and you think Randy Ambrosi, he loves Globals. Globals were 1-2 in the bench press. Wouldn't he be promoting that? What do you bench press when you're on the sidelines and never get onto the field? That's what I'd like to know. Anyway, uh, the sports cage here on 620 CKRM. 
332 with the sports ticker. NCAA Men's March Madness Sweet 16 gets rolling tonight with four games. Number 7, Michigan State versus number 3, Kansas State. Number 8, Arkansas Razorbacks taking on the number 4, Yukon Huskies. The late games sees number 9, Florida Atlantic matching up versus number 4, Tennessee. And the big one of the day, this game is going to be great. Number 3, Gonzaga going up against number 2, the UCLA Bruins. Going to be watching that one tonight. The sports ticker is for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. It's time to pump you up. Get the latest in fitness and lifestyle tips with one of Canada's top fitness trainers, Tish Duffy. This is Train with Tish on the Sports Cage. You mentioned this on your social media channels. I want you to just uh, reiterate it here on the radio. The top three things clients have told you that they've used to maintain their weight loss. Very interesting. Uh, please explain. I think the biggest thing people talk about is the change of identity. Um, it sounds really strange, but in order to change your life completely, these long-time uh, little habits that you have to change as you go have to be permanent, and you cannot do that with the old version of you. So I once had a client say to me, I have to kill the person I am today in order to become the new person I want to be tomorrow. And it was brilliant, and it, it really resonated with me, and I think the key word is today. So it's not something you consider tomorrow or the next day. It's one day at a time. You sort of just have to change that uh, person that you used to be to become that new person, and it really is becoming someone different. Um, the second thing I think is almost just as important is the, um, the ability to make sure that you're documenting and keeping things written down. Numbers don't lie. Data doesn't lie usually. So mm-hmm. uh, it's really important to make sure that you're writing down. Once you start feeling like you're slipping or getting back into those old habits, you want to start uh, documenting again. So writing down how many steps you have tracking your food, um, tracking your activity. So consciously sitting down and being mindful each day of what you're doing will get you back on track. And a lot of clients uh, will reach back out in this period of time uh, with a friend or a coach, someone who cares that they have that accountability to each day. So a lot of my clients will start tracking things down and actually send it to me at the end of the day hmm. so they know that there's that accountability at the end of the day. This one strikes me, the third one, the change in the mindset. Talk about the, you, you said that there was a client that, uh, you know, noticed a switch, but it took a couple of years for the switch to happen. Uh, and that, that's the thing. Like, in order to actually, I call it a switch because it literally is something in the way that they approach everything and I guess that kind of goes back to being a different person and having a new identity when you once once you once you get to that point in your life where you're happy with your weight is that change in uh, exactly how you approach everything day in and day out and that's that switch that I talk about and it's it's amazing to see um, and it does take time you know that's the problem is especially with women women men are much better at being patient you know when you go out for dinner, Instead of ordering a cocktail, you start with a big glass of water. Um, and it's, you're happy to do it because once people start feeling and looking better, and this is what takes time, right? That doesn't happen in a week. But once they start feeling and looking better, the switch of how they think. So it's not even hard for them to 
pass on the cocktail or eat half of their portion when they're out for dinner. It's just something that happens, and they're happy to do it because they love how they feel. This is Tish Duffy, and you can check her out with Train with Tish. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, here with the First Nation sensation, my old Rams teammate, a local indie wrestling great, wrestled at the WWF level as well, Wavell Star. Thanks for joining me, man. Uh, hey, I've been watching these A&E uh, biographies. They, the WWE has them on Sundays, okay? And they had the Rivals, the Rivals uh, segment, and it was uh, Rock versus Cena. And I got to thinking, maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree. With the way wrestling's going, I don't know that we'll ever have as big a star as John Cena. Like, I think John Cena is the last big wrestling star we'll ever see. Well, you know, it's uh, that's kind of the way Vince is promoting it, right? He's he's promoting WWE as a brand. Uh, so, so, you know, he wants you to see, catch the WWE when they come to town, as opposed to catch John Cena and The Rock when they come to town, right? So that way, the talent is kind of faceless and can be kind of, you know, inserted in and out as need be. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right? Because then if a if a, ta- a talent can't hold you hostage, I don't think that's good for the wrestling business. Do you like it in any no. sport? In any sport, it's Connor McDavid and the Oilers. It was you know it was Tom Brady and the Patriots. I think you need to have a face. Absolutely, and the thing is, is you know when they're done with WWE, uh, back in the day here on the Indies, when we brought in someone like a honky tonk man or a hacksaw Jim Duggan, you you would draw a crowd. But now, when people get released from WWE, they they barely they, people don't even really know who they are, except for the super fans, you know. So it, it's really affected the indie wrestling business as well. A and E, I think's coming to Regina in July. Uh, would a guy like you be approached to to go on the card or help? out in some form or fashion uh generally so aew i know that they are coming uh in july they recently uh did their tv tapings in winnipeg and uh generally with companies like wwe and aew and you know when i was working the circuit as an extra that's the term for it Mm -hmm. uh uh, generally it's you uh hustling you know as soon as you find out where the shows are you'd email your contact your phone your contact uh whoever it was in the wwe office and, and get yourself uh um confirmed to attend so that's that's pretty much how it goes for uh for the aew shows as well yeah uh as soon as i saw the well i saw this uh bs uh uh golden state warrior maverick game yesterday where the ball goes out of bounds they award it to uh, dallas go to a timeout come out dallas goes to the far end of the court ready to have the ball thrown in but the ref throws it in on the golden state side by the dallas net and they get an uncontested slam dunk and i'm like what the heck is going on here uh, so so what i'm about to talk about doesn't seem as far-fetched as i thought before last night's nba action the WWE is approaching different state legislatures, uh, legislators now, uh, the gaming commissions in, I think it's Colorado and Michigan too off the top of my head, not Nevada yet, about people being able to bet on their matches. Huh? What? <laughs> I know that's exactly what I thought uh, when I first uh, read the headlines. And, you know, the same thing as, as our uh, our buddy there, Jim Cornette, thinks the exact same thing, that there's no way that it could happen. But when you let it sink in for a little bit and you look at the history of uh, what Vince McMahon has done in the past, I would say that it's probably doable, especially because really what it comes down to this thing is, 
Um, who, you know, politics, do they, do they have the influence to get the legislators to make the decisions? And some people might suggest that, that maybe they do. Uh, and if that's the case, then, then we would see a lot of changes. And I mean, a lot of changes. Yeah, because but- basically what, basically what you're looking at is the wrestlers don't know the finish. Yeah, like how do you do it? That's why I have you on basically here. I wanted to talk a little bit, but get down to the brass tacks here. So how how small does the circle have to be? And how far out would like a, a wave will star and a honky tonk man know the finish of their match? <laughs> well, generally, okay, here's the thing. Oftentimes the finishes are agreed before the matches are agreed to. So, you know, generally, so people might say, you know, don't bring me in if you expect me to put so-and-so over. Right. Because that, you know, then you would just avoid that, right? So that would that would definitely change. And then when you look at a lot of the big names, you see them uh, having that creative control. Most recently, it was Brock Lesnar who refused to work with Bray Wyatt. And uh, so he made, they, the office wanted to work with uh, Bray Wyatt, and he simply refused. So what would happen if you're sitting there in grill position, the match is about to go out, it's WrestleMania, it's, a, you know, big money, and, you, t- you know, they try to go to Brock Lesnar and tell him that he's got to do the job, and he says no. Then what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, and, and then also on the other side, there's obviously, there's no way that they could keep the results quiet right until the very end. I think what the, you know, it's it's again that whole thing being the professional wrestling business uh you know it always has that carny roots so i you know there's always a way that people are going to find out and i think for the first while there would be a way for people on the inside to probably benefit by making a few bucks here and there i think what, what, i think actually <laughs> it would it, it, it would have worked wavel back in the 70s and 80s when guys were really like uh you know yes. they didn't they didn't pull the curtain back on wrestling right Right, and also back then with the styles, it would have worked because people used to just call matches on the fly, whereas nowadays, these guys know their big money matches step-by-step, move-for-move, like way ahead of the way ahead of the, the matches. So it would be a really big adjustment, but having said that, it could certainly be done if need be. The business would just adapt and change. That's one thing we haven't talked about ever, and I've been in a wrestling ring with you. You've orchestrated the whole thing, but let's be honest: you and I aren't wrestling for an hour like Michaels and right. like Michaels and Hitman, right? But that's, that's one right. that's one appreciation people don't have about wrestlers is their memory. You got to have a good memory in what's going on here. Totally, and and that was even with what we were doing, uh, Ballsy, and and what they're doing now is is uh exponentially harder than than what we were doing back then like the spots that they do if you watch it if you watch some of the, the wrestling nowadays with the they're very very athletic uh fast high-flying moves but it takes a lot of choreography to, to get that stuff down and it would be really really tough especially in the business they say you can't screw the finish like whatever your finish is like if you're going to screw something up during the match it can't be the finish because if you screw up your finish then you screw your whole match yeah that's true and hey hey yeah so i so i don't know if they would leave that to, to chat lastly we're up against the clock but you had me worried there when you had the big w on your hoodie there and i thought you have you turned to a bomber fan but then you pointed out it was the wavel it's for wavel yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a beautiful logo. I loved it, nice and clean. Just a big W, and also a big fan of uh, Washington and Way Way Sacapo oh. for the same reason. <laughs> okay, okay, makes sense. Makes sense. I was like, holy cow, he's not cheering for the Riders anymore. Him and I are going to have to have a little conversation. I might have to drop the people's elbow on him again. Uh, oh, I'm a Rider guy, man. Number forty four <laughs> in the green and white for forever. You know me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, love you, brother. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk again soon. Uh, thanks, man. Take care. Bye bye. 
Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, folks, you listen to this show for whatever reason. Uh, you're, you choose to listen to us, we're happy about it. But I'll tell you what, this guy was on at the start of the March Madness Tournament, and he said... Take Furman over Virginia. And I remember sitting there saying, I'm, I want to bet 50 on this, on a, on some game. And Adam told me. And so I thought that night, and I didn't do it. And the next day, I got busy in the morning, and my son came over, and <laughs> one thing led to another. He goes, hey, Dad, did you see Virginia beat Furman? I was like, oh, no, I didn't listen to Adam. Damn it. Yeah, so I should have listened to you. Well, you know, NCAA tournament, crazy things happen. Just happy to be on the right side of that one. Well, that was a good one, man. So we're into uh, we're into the uh, Sweet 16 here, and things get going here uh, today. Uh, let's talk Michigan State, Kansas State. How do you see that one shaking down? Yeah, this is the, probably the bet I like the most here on Thursday, and that's on Kansas State. And I will preface this by saying I was against Michigan State on Sunday in their game against Marquette. That didn't work out super well for me, but... You know, look, you go to Madison Square Garden, it's typically a pretty tough shooting backdrop. A lot of lower-scoring games there when college basketball gets played uh, at MSG in New York City. And Michigan State is a team that they really have to make threes. They, they're fifth in the country in three-point percentage. They're very, very good at doing it. But Kansas State, top 15 team in three-point percentage against. They get to the rim at a higher rate. I think Jerome Tang has done a great job here so far this season with the Wildcats. I like Kansas State getting a point and a half in that one. It's, it's probably my single favorite bet here of the Thursday slate. How about UConn taking on Arkansas? Arkansas with a nice early performance in the tourney. This is a really difficult game to handicap because all the metrics point towards UConn. UConn's the better team in terms of offensive efficiency, better team in defensive efficiency, better offensive rebounding team. So many things in UConn's favor here statistically – but the one X factor in this game is that Arkansas's Eric Musselman is a better head coach than UConn's Dan Hurley. So I don't really know how this game's going to play out. Arkansas is a team that is very, very athletic. They have tremendous upside, but they've been inconsistent throughout the year. UConn has lost some games that they probably shouldn't, but the metrics still love them. Really, really tricky game here with UConn, about a four-point favorite. Uh, I don't really know what I would do with this game. But like I said, UConn is the better team, but Arkansas is the better coach team. Well, I appreciate appreciate your honesty, Adam Burke, Senior Betting Analyst at VEASAN. All right, the Volunteers against Florida Atlantic. Do you like the Vols here? They survived a scare, a close game earlier. Yeah, Tennessee is a team that just frustrates me. Rick Barnes, you know, <laughs> I talk about a good head coach in Eric Musselman. Rick Barnes is the polar opposite for Tennessee. He's had a lot of good teams at Tennessee, at Texas. He's basically a 500 head coach in the NCAA tournament. And this is the type of game where he's facing a team that can score from anywhere on the floor, a team that you know is, is top 40 in both offensive and defensive efficiency in Florida Atlantic, that I think an upset is possible here. On the other hand, Tennessee is, I mean, they're an SEC team against a Conference USA team. They're bigger, they're more athletic, more four- and five-star types of guys. Talent may just ultimately win out in this game, but... I don't trust Rick Barnes, and I'm I'm kind of talking myself into taking Florida Atlantic plus the five and a half here. I don't know if they win, but I do think this is a really, really quality basketball team. And like I said, they can score from anywhere on the floor, whereas Tennessee, pretty dependent on three-point shots, and they're not very good at doing it. So 
kind of like the Owls here. I'm sort of talking myself into taking that five and a half before tip-off. Well, I'm glad I helped you talk yourself into it. Uh, UCLA, <laughs> if, I, if I had to pick one team to win the whole thing looking at it, just my, like that's not an Alabama or something like that, I'd pick UCLA. They got Gonzaga tonight. Yeah, injuries are a really, really big storyline in this mm-hmm. game. UCLA without Jalen Clark, he got hurt in the regular season finale against Arizona. Best defensive player maybe in the country. And Gonzaga, the number one offensive team in the country. So if the injury to Jalen Clark is going to show up for UCLA, you would think it would be in this game, but that's not all for them. David Singleton, their three-point shooter, shoots about 43% from three. He rolled his ankle really badly in their last game. He's questionable tonight. Adem Bona, who's a six foot ten freshman, a guy that you know is getting a, a little bit of draft buzz here. That's a guy that's also banged up. So UCLA has got three really key players. One of them absolutely out. He blew out his Achilles. He's done for the year. The other two are questionable here. So that's kind of the storyline for this game. But Gonzaga is not a good defensive team. They're one of the worst defensive teams left in the NCAA tournament field. I wonder how this game plays out. If both teams are in the 70s, that's good for Gonzaga. If you know UCLA can slow this game down, kind of ugly it up a little bit, that's really, really good for the Bruins. So this is a very tricky game where I think you could maybe find a live betting opportunity once you see how this one's playing out and see which team is dictating the tempo. Nice. Uh, Friday's games, uh, Alabama, San Diego State, Miami, Florida against Houston. You've got Xavier against Texas and Creighton up against Princeton. That sounds more like a chess match than a basketball game. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there an upset in any of those games? Uh, I don't know if there's an upset. I mean, I, I will say of the favorites, I think Texas is the most likely one to cover. I do like the Longhorns quite a bit in this game. They just won the Big 12 tournament in this venue in Kansas City a couple of weeks ago. They're familiar with the area. They're familiar. Their you know, familiarity is very helpful because they're going to be staying in the same hotel and all those kinds of things. I also just think Texas is a better team than Xavier, better coach team. They're playing for the interim Rodney Terry. They want to get him the job full-time. They're also top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, which kind of fits the profile of a lot of national champions that we've had in the past. So I like Texas laying the four here against Xavier. I could see a scenario in which San Diego State beats Alabama just Mm. because Alabama is so dependent on the three-point shot. Almost 48% of their shots are threes. And if you have a bad shooting game in this tournament, it can sometimes be curtains for you. So. I can see San Diego State winning, but my favorite ATS play with an underdog, I think Miami covers against Houston. Really, really good offensive team. They can score from anywhere. Houston hasn't seen a lot of that this year, so I think Miami actually hangs in there with Houston. I don't know if they're good enough to pull the upset, but I do think they cover the 7.5 that's out there. Adam, if they want to get more information from you, my listeners, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, you can go over to vsin.com, V-S-I-N.com, and while a lot of the topic is on college basketball right now, I'm our lead MLB guy. I just previewed all 30 teams for the Major League Baseball season. I do a daily article starting a VSIN Daily Baseball Bets podcast that'll kick off here on Friday. Uh, so definitely doing a lot of baseball stuff over there at the website as well. So plenty of Blue Jays coverage and everybody else. Hey, I'm a Padres fan. What do you think of my Padres? Well, they look good. I mean, you know, the lineup looks really, really good. The bullpen is exceptional. I'm a really big fan of the bullpen. Some lingering concerns, I think, about the rotation, just because I think the depth is a little bit shaky if they run into some injuries. But that's a team with maybe the highest ceiling of any in the National League. So as long as they stay healthy and, of course, you know, getting Fernando Tatis Jr. back here in late April, uh, that's definitely going to help the lineup as well. Adam, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a good one.
apparently, Zinger, the CFL Combine is going on in Edmonton. Apparently. There's no video evidence of it, but apparently it's going on. We can't stream it anywhere. Want to get to some of the Saskatchewan uh, people that are taking part, uh, or Saskatchewan-based athletes. Uh, I talked about Jackson Ford earlier from the Rams. Uh, he did six on the bench press, 225, 4.68, 40-yard dash, 36-inch vertical, and uh, yeah, those are the main ones for him. I thought Charlie Ringling, uh, Ringland did a great job, a defensive back for the U of S Huskies. He uh, did seven on the bench press, 225, 4.59, 40-yard sprint, 40, the vertical leap. So that was pretty oh, good. I thought that was pretty good for him. Good numbers. Uh, Josh White of the Rams, uh, 6'1", 222-pounder. He did 14 on the bench press, 4.78 in the 40, 33 in the vert. Tanner Schmeckel, who was an all-star, after taking a year off from the Rams, uh, because he, he he took the year off because he didn't crack it in school, but he got back into it and uh, had a great year for the Rams. 21 uh, bench presses of 225 pounds, 5'3", uh, 40-yard Dash at 290 pounds, 28.5 inch vertical, which isn't bad for a big man like that. 810 in the broad jump. So some of the some of the uh stats rolling in from some of these Saskatchewan-based athletes. Caleb Bourne, another one, six foot one, 188-pound receiver, five on the bench press, 4.7840, 34 inch vertical, nine feet three inches and thereabouts in the uh, in the uh, broad jump. So there you go. Some of the CFL combine numbers coming in from Edmonton. Arash Madani on the other side of the 4 o'clock news. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. In this segment, Coast to Coast with our good friend Arash Madani, brought to you by Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Uh, catch up with Brian Golly and he'll help you out. You heard him on our budget coverage yesterday as the provincial government handed down that big document. Okay, Arash, we are through the World Baseball Classic. It uh, really, well, I, I've been kind of excited about baseball the last couple of years because of my Padres, but I was really into the World sure. ba- I was really into the World Baseball Classic and it got me to thinking, man, hockey is missing the boat. We have not had a best, a true best on best since 2014. Tell you what, Ballsy, I mean, you're an Oilers fan. Yeah. So you have listened to the very little that Connor McDavid has offered publicly when it comes to opinion, when it comes to hot take, when it comes to generating any kind of attention onto himself. That's a fair way to characterize it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Until yesterday. Like it took, like this is the impact that that tournament had, the World Baseball Classic had, that even Connor McDavid said, Yeah, I was into the baseball. I was following what was going on. This is what we need in hockey. This is what's been missing in hockey. For Connor McDavid to come out and do that, you know, when he hasn't said anything about anything, tells you just how into it these players are, how badly they want it. And 
there are very few best-on-best opportunities anywhere in sports. You know, every four years at the Summer Olympics, professional basketball players get to do it. Well, Arash, Arash, nobody is dominating their sport more than Connor McDavid. Nobody in any of the right. team sports. And he has never done that. He except for World Juniors, he like he was in that they had that young stars team, that kind of goofy thing in 2016. Uh, what I wanted McDavid to say and he'll never will, but I wish hockey players in in a lot of respects would have the personalities of other uh athletes in other sports and and just get in front of the mic and say, "Gary, get your head out of your ass." And let's get going here because if he put a little more pressure on Bettman, maybe Gary'd wake up. I don't know. I, I'm not a big Gary Bettman fan. I think Gary Bettman has made a lot of mistakes with the NHL. Sure. Well, this is where it gets interesting because next week, Marty Walsh will be formally unveiled. We already know he's going to be the next head of the NHLPA. And it's not, quote unquote, just a Bettman thing. Like, let's remember the WBC, yes, it was organized run by Major League Baseball, but the Players Association was a big part of it too. The last World Cup of Hockey, it was the Players Association in conjunction with the league. Mm -hmm. So this is where you now have a new head of your players union, and if you want to make good with your membership, out of the gate, make this a priority. Make a World Cup or something like that of significance because then suddenly if you really want to curry favor with your membership you go back to them and say look we are going to make this a priority we are going to make players salaries a priority but more than that we want to make you as a brand and happy and so this to me as you know i think there's an aftermath of or legacy of this wbc outside of baseball it's that other sports are seeing just how organically special that thing became. And when you have Connor McDavid, you know, not just because of his influence, but because of how measured he always is and has been with his words, come out and say that, that's major. I'll tell you what, man, that guy's like a Harlem Globetrotter on ice. I know we talk about him all the time. Like last night, he, he, you thought it's a fluke. It wasn't. He banked it in off the goalie, the back of the goalie's head into the net. Like the guy just does things at full speed on the ice we've never seen before. It's unbelievable. And it really is. It's sad we're not seeing it on a world stage. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not just that he did it. He did it for his 60th goal. Last night. Yeah. 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 You know, at, at the start of the season, my colleague Cassie Campbell said, you know, her hot take, and Cassie doesn't have a lot of them, but her hot take at the start of the season was that McDavid would get to 70 goals. And she said it, Ballsy, like a little tongue-in-cheek, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And now here we are, and, you know, if you get a couple of power play goals and maybe an empty netter or two, 70 is not far-fetched right now. In late March, think how insane that is. It is insane. Hey, you've covered a lot of different sports uh, and really brought to light a lot of great Canadian athletic achievements. Last night in Toronto at the Raptors game, NBA history was made. We had three Canadians in a starting NBA lineup. The Indiana Pacers beat the Raptors, and they started three Canadians. Man, we've come a long way in the basketball world. Come a long way, and one of them is Benedict Matherin, who's a rookie coming yeah. out of Arizona. Uh, I guess the Wildcats could have used him in the tournament. <laughs> they were a two seed, lost to 15 Princeton. 
But it's that that to me is where this takeaway is, Ballsy. And I get that the NBA is now a young league and it's about lottery picks or one and guns. But we're hanging with the big boys with our young guns too, with our young kids too. And I thought I thought Rick Carlisle, the Pacers coach, really stole the show because he grew up in upstate New York. And he said, look, growing up, we didn't have cable. I had, you know, I had an antenna on top of my house, and we got CBC and CJOH. CJOH is the CTV mm-hmm. affiliate. He said, I grew up with Hockey Night in Canada. You know, I watched a lot of Stanley Cups. He said, I never could have fathomed, imagined this would be happening for Canada basketball, let alone three dudes on my team mm-hmm. doing what they're doing, which I thought was pretty amazing. It was amazing. Uh, Arash Madani joining us here from Sportsnet Coast to Coast, sponsored by Brian Gulley. Listen, we need officials. I respect officials. I don't always agree with officials, but we need them in any sport. So they're an integral part of us uh, watching sports, covering, or, or being or in our fandom. But I don't know, man. It feels like officials are getting worse not better. Uh, For instance, in that Dallas-Golden State game, Mark Cuban is going to challenge it because, well, it it was crazy. Uh, uh, Dallas thought they had the ball. They're lined up at the other end of the court, but Golden State throws it in and slams it at Dallas's end for an uncontested dunk, and really, that could have been the difference in the game. What is going on with officiating at all levels? Everywhere, right? Everywhere, I mean, all over the place. Like okay, a rash, so a rash, a rash, a rash. We used to, yeah. we used to cut down CFL refs as the worst in sports. They're not anymore. In fact, they're near the top when you factor in how much money's put into refing in the CFL. I tell you what, there, there appears to now be a crisis with officiating everywhere, and where I'll disagree with you, Balzi, is I don't think they're getting worse. I think they're staying the same. (laughs) It's just that players are bigger and stronger and faster and more athletic. And these dudes just can't keep up. But what happened last night is not that. What happened last night was incompetence at its very core. And like you touched on it, here's what happens. Ball goes out of bounds, referee points, Dallas ball, timeout. Dallas comes out of the timeout. The referee hands the ball to a Golden State player while the Dallas players on the, are on the other side of the floor, and Golden State gets a free basket out of it. And guess what happened, Balti? Golden State won by two. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like This was not a 22-point game where you're like, whatever. This was a game where points were a premium. Every bucket mattered. And Golden State wins by two. And, yeah, Mark Cuban came out and and said exactly what happened on Twitter. And he has filed a formal protest. I don't think anything is going to come of the protest, except that this is now the second time in less than a month. Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Fred Van Vliet came out and was really critical of Ben Taylor. And now this occurs. This is an issue for the NBA with the playoffs coming up that it's, it's one thing if you miss calls. It's another thing when you do not apply the proper possessions or just say, hold on a minute here. It seems we have a misunderstanding. We're coming out of a timeout. 
let's blow the whistle and make sure everybody's on the same hey, page. Didn't, didn't, That's called managing the game. Didn't an NBA official get wrapped up in a whole betting scandal? We got betting now, man. That's a big deal. That could have blown a lot of lines. That 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 can't go unchecked. Tim Donaghy was the ref. He was convicted of fixing games. Uh, I shouldn't say fixing games. That's wrong. He was convicted. Um, Donaghy knew what the line was, what mm-hmm. the spread was. And instead of a team winning by seven, they'd win by five type thing. Yeah, well, what about last night? Don, <laughs> right. Well, this is, this is where this gets interesting. And I think this is where this gets really important, especially if the lines get blurred with these pro sports teams and these pro sports leagues partnering with gambling sites. Donaghy's point, and the NBA would always dismiss it and say he's a convicted felon. We're not, we're not talking to him. We're not acknowledging him. Donaghy said, look, I work with these refs. They have agendas. They have grudges with players and coaches. This is an issue. This is happening. I saw it. That's when I knew where to tell, you know, the mm-hmm. the good old boys that were that were that I was working with on what side to be on. And the more you watch things, the more it you know there the more there are appearances of impropriety. Doesn't it seem that way, Baldy? Seems that way to me, man. We're out of time. It's always great talking to you. Have a great weekend. Nice to you too. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. First of all, we got Bob Stoffer coming up here at 435. Jack Michaels is the best play-by-play guy in the NHL, and it's not even close. Well, it is kind of close because I like Chris Cuthbert, but Jack Michaels is oh, outstanding. You know, and the way he uses different words like clatter and just different things, I really love him. And the Edmonton Oilers are must-see TV. Whether you like them or not, they're like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA back in the day. You just you can't shut it off. They're exciting to watch. They Their goaltending sometimes is good enough to keep both teams in the game. So uh, Do I cheer for the Oilers in the playoffs? Yeah, you got to. You got to. You got to. My Canadian and I'm sorry. I'm one. sorry. I love Connor Bedard. I think he's going to be outstanding at the NHL level. He's otherworldly here. But when people are comparing his stats to Connor McDavid's stats, that's fine. Stats are stats. Connor Bedard is not going to be Connor McDavid. There's no way. He doesn't have the speed of Connor. Nobody has the speed of Connor McDavid. So right there, you can't compare the two. Shots and playmaking, sure. I, I go with that. Hockey IQ, I probably go with that. But Connor's just at another level. That, in my Which opinion, Connor? Bedard. <laughs> oh, no. oh well, there we go. Bedard, yeah, Bedard is here, but McDavid. Let's get out and talk with the guy who calls Connor Bedard every day when he's playing in the Western Hockey League. That's our friend Dante DeCaria. Now, I don't know if people were sneaking around Connor uh, McDavid's uh, backyard back in the day in Erie, but his mom was a little. I know there was like a story. His mom was kind of upset. Uh, can you, because you called me, you were fired up about this, Dante. Yeah, you know what? I I haven't done too much digging on this, but uh, I spoke with our good friend, Brennan McGuire, about when he was covering John Tavares in the Ontario Hockey League, and he said he had never heard of any of these types of stories or situations. I spoke with uh, Mike Stubbs, the voice of the London Knights, when uh, they had John Tavares. He said the same thing. He said the same thing about Connor McDavid, how... He never heard of these such stories going around 
in Erie, although Erie is a much different market. So, no, this is uh, kind of the first time, at least in junior hockey history, that we've had you know a player come through the CHL with this kind of status where mm-hmm. uh, everybody's kind of boy band crazy. So, you're, no, you're right, Michael. I don't think it's ever happened before. It's a very unique situation. And, uh, you know, I, I really do think that a lot of uh, the rumors that I've heard around Regina uh, have been somewhat fabricated. I'm not going to say, you know, what shows or what people have said X, Y, and Z, but I think that, you know, a couple of things that fans and people around the market here in Regina are hearing are somewhat fabricated and, and not true at all. So um, I know that uh, Connor and his family are very happy here in Regina. They've embraced, been embraced by the community. They love the community. They love the fan base, and they have nothing but, you know, great things to say about this place. I, I just think that a lot of the things that have been said recently have been somewhat fabricated. I'm not going to say what shows they've been set on but um or whatever or who mm-hmm. said it but uh, i just feel i just feel it's been uh, a bit overblown over the last week or so well people like uh, clickbait and all that type of thing although i think we both can admit the the kid and you know them better than anybody you're friends with the family the family does a great job of insulating him they've done a great job of raising this young man and there's never been a more popular player we can do the mcdavid badar debate there's never been a more popular player in the CHL in terms of rock star, like you said, boy band uh, aura about him than Connor uh, Bedard. Yeah, and you know what? It was Brad Haroff, our assistant coach, who came up with the term boy band crazy. We've been kind of been using it as it's kind of a buzzword over the last two weeks or so, and it's uh, it's special, but it's also pretty nuts if you think about it at the same time because, you know, people love junior hockey, right? But I do think that since COVID, there's been a certain social media platform or certain social media platforms that have kind of done this to him and his brand, which I think is a positive as well as it can be somewhat negative at times. And I think the positive is that it increases his marketability, his brand. At the end of the day, he's going to make more money as the road goes on, right? But I think TikTok and Instagram and how more and more people are uh, at least at a young age or living on their phones are and being able to post really anything are the reason why he's this popular, right? You, I don't have TikTok, but I know that, uh, say, my little cousins will say, you know, Toe Drag Sally. You see people with signs at the ring, kids, <laughs> that say, to, not, not Toe Drag Sally, uh, Toe Drag Release or whatever it is. I don't even know. What yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw the sign, yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, I think that uh, those social media platforms have, have kind of just upped this, you know, TikTok being at the forefront, Instagram probably being second. So um, as much as it is, you know, positive for his brand, uh, unfortunately it kind of just makes the animal the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy does a good job along with his agent of insulating him a bit in terms of uh, interview requests and minimizing that. It's going to get ramped up here. we got fan appreciation night on Saturday against PA and then the playoffs fire up. We'll have you on plenty more times, Dante. We're up against the clock, but thanks for uh, setting us straight a little bit, okay? Thanks a lot, Michael. Always appreciate it. That's Dante DeCarry, a voice of the Regina Pats here on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Checking in on your sports ticker, NHL tonight. Calgary is home to Vegas. Winnipeg is in Anaheim. San Jose visits Vancouver. The Toronto Maple Leafs are in South Beach taking on the Florida Panthers. 
Tampa Bay and Ottawa will uh, go at it in the nation's capital in an original six matchup in Boston with the Canadiens de Montreal visiting the Boston Bruins. Four games in the NBA tonight. New York Knicks visit the Orlando Magic. Cleveland is in Brooklyn. The New Orleans Pelicans host the Charlotte Hornets and the OKC Thunder are in Los Angeles to take on the Clippers. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. Ball spotted at the Edmonton 42, Blitz is coming. Here comes the Heat, Adams. Got him. Gets it away for Jake Winicky. He caught it, and he is in the end zone, and it's a touchdown Montreal. What a play, Jake Winicky. First catch of the season, one of the biggest of his career. Well, as you know, receiver Kean Schaefer-Baker will begin the season on the shelf after having hip surgery, so the Riders will have to find some production elsewhere. Jake Wieneke joins the team as he comes over from Montreal in free agency. His first couple of years were productive, but last year saw his numbers drop off. Some of it had to do with a nagging hamstring injury. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think I do a lot to, to take care of my body. I missed missed training camp with the injury and came back and yeah I wasn't super healthy I think to start the season and then yeah we just had a lot a lot going on I mean uh, Coach Gahari uh, got fired after uh, like four games and new coaching staff kind of built trust and they hadn't really seen me and just trying to uh, take kind of take the whole year to kind of to get going and kind of build that trust back with uh, the new coaches and uh, and also just making sure that I'm I'm healthy and, and playing uh, myself every day. Jake Weinicke, give me the number one reason, maybe besides money, why you signed here in Saskatchewan. I would say just like the the people and the organization and just just the culture of the whole city. Uh, something has always just kind of drawn me to. I remember in 2019, I was actually playing against. Uh, in Saskatchewan on my birthday and I went out to eat before the game with my mom and dad and my little brother they came up to the game and walked into the restaurant and every person in that restaurant had Rough Rider jerseys and I was like oh man this is this is crazy we flew off at another place wearing some Montreal stuff and, and uh, like yeah, you just don't see that I think in a lot of places and I and, and then I think continuing to play against them being obviously in the stadium and seeing that culture and just a couple of times that I've been there to play um, it just seems like such an amazing uh, culture throughout the whole um, community, the whole city, and even really all of Canada. And in case you're wondering, Jake Weineke will wear number one. So he'll be number one in your program, and who knows, by the end of the year, maybe number one in your heart. Time to talk NHL. Now back to your favorite sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. So I'm just going to, you know what? I'm going to be a big man, and I'm going to prove to you that I can sometimes be an absolute fanboy idiot. So I've loved the Edmonton Oilers. Generally, you like what you like, and you like it about the age of 9, 10 years old. So that would put me 1981-ish when the Oilers in the old 116, 215, 314. I think the Oilers were 14, and Le Habitant, your team, Zinger, was three back then. And the young upstart kids beat the Montreal Canadiens, and they were the new boys in the block, so to speak. Um, and ever since then, I've been an Oiler fan, and it's been a long time since I could get fired up for this team. Last year was a nice run, 
And uh, so I'm watching them play the Sharks the other night, and I got right pissed off. And I texted my buddy, Bob Stoffer, and I was like, I don't expect him to text me back because he's doing the game. But I went to bed, and I had to vent to somebody. So I text Bob, and I said, this game right here is why the Oilers won't win anything, ever. Very frustrating. Then I got up the next morning, and they won an overtime, and Bob said, well, they found a way to win. Yes, they did. Bob Stoffer joins us in the Western Pizza Hotline. Moral of the story, Bob, uh, some Sometimes don't be a fanboy. And number two, don't turn off Edmonton Oilers games too early. Well, certainly don't turn off Edmonton Oilers games too early, Michael. But the reality of the situation is we're all fans of one form or another. I mean, you can be try to be the most neutral-based uh, uh, you know, media guy, broadcaster. Uh, I mean, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group. I want Edmonton to win. Uh, you know, writers talk about cheering for the story. It's funny you mentioned that 81 series. Uh, I got five years on you, mm-hmm. and I, I grew up as a Canadian fan. Gil Fleur was my favorite player of all time, uh, and you know I, I I was a left-handed shot that played right wing that circled the way Guy circled and worked on my shot and all that stuff. The only thing I didn't do was smoke, um, and that's where the comparisons ended because I lacked the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline to play in the Western League, despite leading my midget double A team in scoring. <laughs> and I remember. That 81 series, I was 15, and Dave Hunter hit Gila Fleur, and Gila Point went over and, you know, jumped Dave Hunter, and Dave Hunter won the fight, and I was cheering for the Oilers, and I realized that uh, I was different at 15 than I was at 9, 10, and 11 when I hated Philadelphia and Boston, mm-hmm. and the Canadians would win those cups. So, you know, I've, you know, I've had the privilege to do my job and watch you know we had Wayne Gretzky travel with us he called into our show numerous times over about a five year run uh, when he was working with the Oilers Entertainment Group and of course now he's doing some work on TNT he'll see him in the playoffs and so I gotta watch Wayne and now I gotta watch Connor and Leon and uh, the Oilers have built a better team I know they can be very exasperating but it you know, in, in the NHL on any given night anybody can beat anybody it's just the reality of how it works you have scheduling losses, you have fatigue, you have travel issues, you have a goaltenders that have tough nights, you have other goalies that can steal games. San Jose and Arizona played hard, competitive, uh, you know, they're out of it, but they didn't want to get embarrassed, and they both teams checked, and the Oilers had to work their way and battle through those games, ultimately get to the victory. But absolutely, at the end of the day, they can win any game because they've got the highest-scoring team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So when you can score, you got a chance to win. You do. And I'll tell you what, if there was a Harlem Globetrotters hockey team, okay, a Sherwood Park hockey team that went to all the, you know, played the, they used to play what old pre- priests and everything like the Harlem Globetrotters used to do, Connor McDavid would be on it. Like I was watching the game there, that first goal, I'm like, was that the lucky? No, he meant to shoot it in off the back of the goalie. Like that's crazy what this guy does. Brennan Shanahan was the master of the short side bank shot, and he did it often. And Connor's done it four times this year. Uh, he scored in back-to-back years in Pittsburgh, where he's cut from his right to his left and then rooped it short side off the goalie's head in Lynette. Uh, and it's just part of the evolution. I think I told you the story before. Like, the Oilers put Chris Knobloch in here. He's from Imperial, Saskatchewan. They put Chris in here. Uh, they, you know, the organization that helped out Sherry Batson during a difficult time and recommended Chris be the head coach there. And the night the Oilers won the lottery, he called me and said, Stoff, I'm going to tell you this because I did Chris's games at the U of A in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. He said, you are going to watch Connor do stuff years three, years four, years five in. And go, I've never seen him do that. He never stops working on his craft. Just as I know, the people in Regina, Michael, know that you never stop working at your craft to be the best broadcaster you can. Oh, I love it. Thanks for putting me over. That's like The Rock, uh, you know, Hogan putting over The Rock there. I appreciate it. Actually, I never stop eating craft dinners, what you meant to say, not working on my craft dinner. Bob, has Ekholm, in your mind, been better than advertised? Yes. And it was not an easy trade for Ken Holland to make. Ken Holland believes in the draft. Uh, he believes in drafting and developing players. And uh, I, I love the Oilers picker, Reed Schaefer. Uh, he's a unicorn today in the WHL. We grew up in a time in which, you know, I mean, I, Todd you and John Cordick, God rest their souls. Uh, Mark Tenorti, those were the guys of my age group. Uh, you know, Dave Manson was in Prince Albert. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like <laughs> there was some... You know, I, I played against you and in Cordic and and Tenorti was down in Red Deer at the time, and uh, you know, in Bantams they were intimidating guys. Cordic not so much, but certainly Ewan, who is a really good player, and Tenorti, who is a great NHL player. It's a different time, man. It's just a different time, but you got to be. He's I totally lost where we're going. Where, where, where were we going? We're just talking about, about. We're just talking about Ekholm and if he's better than advertised. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what's going to talk about Reed Schaefer because Reed Schaefer's a throwback. Like, we grew up in a time when 15 out of 18 guys on a WHL team fought. Mm-hmm. And now two or three guys fight on a WHL team. And Reed Schaefer is six foot four, 220 pounds. That was a hard pick for, like, Edmonton got him late in the first round. I think they stole a player there. Nashville insisted on, on including him in the deal. So the owners gave up the number one. They gave up Schaefer. They gave up Tyson Berry, very popular guy. Uh, Ekholm, five times since career, 30-plus points. I mean, he's plus 15 in 11 games, and the Oilers have gone 9-2 since he's been in the lineup. Feels, it, it has a very, uh, now, I'm not comparing them exactly, but I guess I kind of am. It has kind of a Chris Pronger feel to it. Yeah, different guys. Like, Chris would let you know if uh, if you said something stupid. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> he didn't. I'll say this. Uh, we had it out one time, and he loved it. Like he, you know. Imagine you didn't back down. Imagine you didn't back down from somebody. I'm utterly shocked by that. Well, I, I had I pulled the uh, the double off that day because George got a little upset because uh, I think I suggested he took too much air out of the room for a fourth line guy. Uh, but Chris, on the other hand, we uh, we just had a really animated discussion. Then we went into a little bit of detail about his father growing up and. You know, Dryden, Ontario, and, and uh, playing for Lakehead, and he, his jaw just hit the floor when I mentioned that to him. And uh, Pronger, if Pronger sensed weakness in somebody, he, you know, he could be the best guy in the world, mm-hmm. but just knew that he didn't like the guys being. You had to think before he asked. Just don't ask him something stupid because he'd crush you. Ekholm is a really nice. You know, there's an old saying: since you're on in Saskatchewan, I'll say it. Agents will tell you. You never go wrong with a guy that comes from a place that starts with the letter S. Saskatchewan and Swedes, those guys are usually really good guys. And so far, Echo is living up to that. Yeah. And yes, wow. he's been way better than I think anybody. He's, the Oilers basically have a new number one pairing. I mean, Ekholm and Bouchard played 24 minutes last night, 26 minutes a game before. He's taken a quantum step forward. Um, you know, he's 20th in the league and even strength scoring five on five the last two years. 
And Ekholm, just the composure that he plays with. I mean, it's it's been a huge addition. So I got to ask you this as a broadcaster because I I have to snicker sometimes. Like you're you work for the team, you're on the yeah. air, but you've got this kind of this kind of like, how do I put it? You, when I watch you on TV and your delivery, you've kind of got this like. Uh, it's a tough way to put. Listen, you're kind of standoffish. You're kind of like you say it as you see it. Where the other guys, like the Oilers, could be playing the worst game, and like Jack Michaels wouldn't say crap if his mouth was full of it. Gene's a really nice guy. Do you ever hear about well, there's, it? There's a difference, Michael. There's a difference between being the play-by-play guy and being the color guy. I know, but still, when you're, you're working for the team. Doing, when you're doing riders, yes. Who's who's doing the color? Luke Mullender. Okay. And it's, I mean, he's the guy that's supposed to break down, you know, how the offensive line broke up the hole or, yeah, yeah. you know, what kind of stunt the, the D line ran or, you know, did yeah. they blitz the linebacker or whatever, right? And, and, and I, I'm going to guess from your personality that you probably get upset when there's too many flags called the game. And you probably said multiple times I could call holding on every single play because every football broadcaster alive says that. But when you do color in hot, see, it's, and I'd say, I'd say this. Long format show like Oilers now that I do noon to two. That's got to be an open discourse show. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to have debate and discussion, and sometimes you have to criticize the team that you cover. Uh, when you're the play-by-play guy, you're not really you're, you're describing the action in theory, and you're letting the color guy provide a little bit more critical analysis. But at the end of the day, you're still selling tickets and you're still speaking to your market. When you're on a panel, that's a different situation because that's being beamed everywhere. And there does need to be a little bit more critical analysis. And, you know, I'm in year 15, and they told me 15 years ago, and I won't say who hired me, but you can figure out who it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was, hey, you need to be you, which means, you know, I used to challenge Craig McTavish when he coached the team. And isn't that ironic? He never was a head coach of another NHL team after Everton. Okay? Uh-huh. And Max, you and me have a way better relationship now than we did when he coached the team because I personally didn't believe that he was the most patient guy with young, skilled players. And if you don't have skill, you can't score. Yeah. So uh, he always had really good third and fourth line guys. I think I identified with that. And when Mac T became a GM, he I think it, it's funny. At Edmonton, he's seen Michael as a good coach and a poor GM. And I would say he was an average coach and a better GM than people gave him credit for. I mean, he drafted Nurse and dry subtle. Okay? True. He won like like Oilers got a twenty four minute game defenseman and they got arguably maybe the second or third best player in the world. Those were his first two round you know, first round picks in back to back years. He didn't do that bad of a job. No, oh, that's a good point, man. Hey, we gotta let you go. This is fun. Uh, you take care and keep being you, okay? Well, well, thank you for that. Take care. See you, Michael. <laughs> See you, man. Bob Stoffer, color commentator of the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. We'll have more of the sports cage in the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. I always love hearing Bob Stoffer. Whether you like the Oilers or not, he brings a lot of pizzazz to the broadcast. And I do like Jack Michaels. He's got charisma. Yeah, and I like the best. He is the best play-by-play guy, Jack Michaels. I like it. Overtime winner. Although I do like a Rick Ball. No relation, by the way. I've had a lot of people say, are you related to Rick Ball? I have an Uncle Rick, but that's not that Rick. I have an Uncle Rick. Not Ball, though. Mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, this is a, some... Um, 
Unsettling yet miraculous news. Head scout Dan Tenser of the Saskatoon Blades. He was in media before. He was in a terrible car accident on Highway 2 in Alberta driving to a tournament. He's scouting for the Blades in the Alberta area. He was hit at 120 kilometers an hour. Pulled from his vehicle by a good Samaritan. Only minor bruising and cuts. Total miracle. So he's Superman. But just think about that, That's man. That's crazy, and, man. And these scouts, they don't don't get paid a lot of cash driving highways and byways to get the next Connor Bedard. How about this one, Zinger? The uh, Bills, Patriots, Ravens, Raiders, and Falcons are five teams apparently in on DeAndre Hopkins. He's cooked. You think he's cooked? He's 30. He's still pretty good. What do you have last year? I didn't look up his stats. Yeah, he had, he had pretty good. Like I think it was like 700 yards or something like that. Maybe he's not cooked. but He was hurt. It, but ju- he, it I, just It's like a complete 180 because it was like four or five short years ago, it seems like, where he was labeled the best well, receiver he, in the league. He got hurt. He had six. You're right, man. You are a smart guy. He had 64 grabs for 717 yards, uh, 11.2-yard average, three touchdowns. The three touchdowns. Um, and he only played nine games. Keep that in mind, Zinger. He only played in nine games because of the injury. So that would be the thing that would halt me from giving him big-time dough. I kind of wanted him to... You'd rather have him than Odell Beckham Jr., though. I wanted him to come to the Green Bay Packers, but we don't got any money to sign anybody. No, so. no very interesting what's going to happen. And we already talked about this yesterday. Elijah Moore, the receiver, went yeah. from the Jets to the Browns, so his number eight comes free. I'm sure that Brett... Or that Brett, that... Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's following in Brett Favre's footsteps, Brett Favre, <laughs> he's going to go to the uh, Jets. The Atlanta so Falcons select Brett Favre. That still hasn't been announced yet. They don't technically, they don't have to do anything till really week one, the Packers. Yeah, they want to well, be jerks. It depends if the Packers be like, okay, we can't do this anymore. We want draft capital for this year. That's mm. kind of like the deadline, I think. I think it's going to go all the way up to draft day. I... Uh, I don't know, man. We've talked about this. A lot of people lighten up Twitter with regards to it. Uh, I put out a tweet. Um, my tweet was this. I love the CFL, but they just can't figure it out. Why isn't the CFL Combine streaming anywhere? Like, really, honestly, Zinger, you got to get in the game. It's about content. Like, listen, I asked the commissioner respectfully at the Grey Cup. I don't know what year it was, but the CFL week, the very first one they had, poorly marketed, I know you're shocked. They threw it together, put it in Regina because they knew it would kick some serious butt. They matched the combine with CFL week. It was a celebration. They brought all the stars in. You could interview them. They were there. Then we had the combine to end the week off. They paid to bring Warren Moon in. It was great without any promotion. The next year was in Winnipeg, and then it went away. Now, the pandemic had something to do with it. I asked the commissioner about bringing it back, and he said, well, it was a good idea, but we've moved past it. We like to look ahead, not backwards. We're going to get into digital. So now you've got the dudes from 3 Down Nation covering it, okay? you got the guys covering it at 3 Down Nation. Why not pay them, get a cameraman, and cover it? I'll tell you what, right now. I'm telling you this right now. Doesn't digital mean like C- we C- can watch CFL, something? CFL, right now, I'm going to tell you this right now. Listen very carefully. Is this on? Okay. Michael Ball has committed his, the last probably 10 years to promoting all levels of football, right? Mm-hmm. With my Growing the Game podcast, always having these prospects on. We're doing the draft show. And my buddy Sean Kleisinger is the public address announcer for the Regina Rams. 
Played for the Rams. Junior football right here. Ballsy, not me. This on? Well, you would have, but MS got in the way. Mm. You were a hell of a quarterback. So, this is on. So, I want to make sure. Because people listen to the show, I'm told, around the country. Judging by what's on Twitter. The Alouettes are listening. Michael Ball next year will take a week. If they don't send me through work, I will take a week off on holidays. My own week. I will take my buddy Sean Kleisinger, you will operate the camera, and I will commentate the combine and do interviews, okay? And I won't even charge you. So you can't even make the BS that, oh, it's money. It's money. I am willing to give my time. Are you going to come with me? Yes, of course. And we will hang out in a hotel. We'll be there all week. We'll do the sports cage from there if I have to. This is the first time I'm hearing this. So this is awesome. And I will hold. I will. I will commentate everything, and you will hold the camera. Mm. Because even if you're an amateur cameraman, it's better than the effort they put forth. I used to right do here. some filming with the U of R Rams for Rams TV. I know on you the did. YouTube. That's what I'm saying. So, Michael Ball and Sean Kleisinger are going to step forward and promote our kids. What are you going to do, CFL? This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. From throwing heat to crushing dingers and the occasional walk-off, we're talking baseball with the latest on the Toronto Blue Jays. And, and not just Blue Jays, more than that. We call this around the horn with the radio voice of the Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. Uh, ben, though, I guess today Kikuchi continues his impressive spring uh, in a game today. It was really nice to see. I, I think every time that we have watched Yusei Kikuchi, we have seen uh, some good, some struggles, which last year would really derail a lot of his starts, right? Where he would end up with a 25, 30, sometimes even 40 pitch inning. And never been, never be able to like keep his head above water. We've seen him struggle with fastball command a couple of times uh, over the course of spring, and he's always been able to right the ship, and that's really the encouraging sign. And I look at one thing specifically from his start today: the innings, the amount of pitches, but also if you look at where six out of the nine strikeouts were located, it was against the top half of the lineup. Top half of the lineup also included Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa. Uh, which mm. which he got multiple times on strikes. So, you know, this was not certainly not a D-list, C-list lineup that the Twins ran out there in Fort Myers today. This was a pretty good top half of the lineup, and Kikuchi challenged it and uh, allowed allowed the triple to the one kid in the number nine spot. But really, the only damage against him was that three bagger, which really amounted to nothing in the end. Ben Wagner, we got what we wanted. Shohei Otani against Mike Trout, the World Baseball Classic finale. That was great. Baseball does great drama, great moments. That was one. This is one. This is the jewel for Major League Baseball. If you were to point at what does Major League Baseball classify as a signature event, and I'm talking about the commissioner's office here, what are the things that they are hanging their hat on? You look. World Series first in crowning a champion because that's what 162 is all about. You can scrap the Home Run Derby. You can scrap the Midsummer Classic wherever they're going to host the All-Star Game. This is it. Every time that the World Baseball Classic comes around, this is what Major League Baseball will push all their chips into the middle of the table 
and rally around. And that was evident, really, with starting this tournament. And hopefully, I think in the eyes of, of Major League Baseball, you wanted the best rosters kind of get to Miami and be there in the end. Like the Dominican Republic had an awesome roster. Uh, Puerto Rico had really a nice team. Obviously, they, they stumbled at the end. But the two showcase teams that Major League Baseball wanted were there in the end, and it was unbelievable theater through the twists and the, the entire turn of that entire game, right? And then the head-to-head matchup. Teammates, world-class athletes, what has been regarded over the last decade as the best baseball player on the planet, Mike Trout, now against the world superstar that has taken that torch and proven that he is the ultimate unicorn with what Shohei Otani is able to do from both a position player standpoint and then on the mound. And it was a heavyweight fight. And Otani was awesome with the 100-mile-an-hour fastballs and obviously then the, the wipeout slider that, that, that Trout had this <laughs> very begrudgingly look at. Uh, the camera caught it just for that brief moment. But that is, that is definitely something. You know, as a baseball fan, I think you really can get behind it and to create that sense of drama in the middle of March where you usually don't see anything at that level in terms of intensity this time of year. It is exactly what the doctor ordered for a lot of baseball fans and certainly what Major League Baseball wanted. So I uh, came up just short picking my MVP last year in the National League in Manny Machado as he just came up short in the voting. Um, Vladdy Guerrero, I see, is plus 1,200. Six best odds as of yesterday to win the MVP in the American League. Should I put 20 on him, Ben? Ooh. Should I put 20 Ooh, on him, Ben? I, I put, listen, I, I, this, is, this is a little bit out of my periphery, but... Uh, I have seen Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at MVP caliber form, right? Mm-hmm. We have seen that two years ago, 2021. And we've already talked about the, the, the most amazing man on the planet in Shohei Otani, who edged him in 2021. Uh, Vladdy is in a great spot, great spot right now. I can tell you both from a physical standpoint, from what I've witnessed with my eyes and in the eye test, plus talking with other people, on the backfield since the early stages of February. Vladdy is what they feel already in very similar fashion to his MVP year that he rolled in 2021 performing at. So, uh, listen, this is not silly money. This is not silly money to move, if, mm. especially with um, the, what we have seen from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. already. Yeah. Okay, this is Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, joining us here. I've got on the show tomorrow Eric Swanson. Can you give me a little intel on how he's looked? What can you tell me about Swanson? Uh, I, I love this acquisition for the Blue Jays, and it's it's for him, it's an interesting situation, right? You go from a really competitive team, really tight-knit clubhouse in Seattle. You really have to impress somebody if they're going to trade them and get them excited about where they're going because it's usually not the case, right? Mm-hmm. One player is always disgruntled because they will leave a good situation, maybe not for a great situation. Eric Swanson left a really good situation for a great situation. And this should be a move that should excite Blue Jay fans. It should be a move that you're excited about because it rounds out the bullpen and it also addresses a need. And for me, too, and I've watched Eric Swanson. I mean, he's, he's got really, really good stuff, really good arm. Uh, it's going to be a high-leverage situation, and I think he's looking forward to it, uh, specifically specifically with himself and what he can do for this ball club. But I think, you know, this for a lot of the Blue Jays' bullpen guys, this is going to have a snowball effect, and I think he's going to be right there in the middle of this thing. 
Do you think Major League Baseball is going to maybe tweak the pitch clock before we get to the regular season? And if so, what might they do? Uh, I don't think they're going to p- tweak the pitch clock. I think there might be a little bit more leniency in terms of professional courtesy from a batter and pitcher standpoint at the discretion of the umpire. You know, if there is if there's a problem with the baseball and a guy needs to examine it a step further, if there is um, trouble with the pitch comm device and the batter as a courtesy isn't in the batter's box, those little nuances we have seen kind of be the kinks in this whole process that is violated and also frustrated both the pitchers and the batters Mm -hmm. in this situation. I don't think they're adjusting the timer. I really think it's going to be 15 seconds, 20 seconds and 30 seconds within now 20 seconds. If there's a runner on 15 seconds, if there's nobody on base, I think major league baseball is ecstatic at what it has done for the pace of game, getting balls in play, the athleticism that's also been on display with the new rules throughout spring training, and ultimately the litmus test here, are games moving along quicker? And the answer overwhelmingly is yes. That's why I don't see the actual timing being recognized as a change, but just maybe the feel of a situation in regards of are we giving the best athletes on the planet an opportunity to perform without rushing and dictating what is going to mean success for a pitcher if there is, success or success from a batter standpoint. I always know it's a good segment when I have about three or four more questions left. I'll squirrel those away till next week and add on. Ooh, Thank, okay. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. Hey, next year or next week, it, it's real. I know. We talk real baseball. I can't, spring training's done. I can't yeah, wait. St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinals one week from today. I can't wait, man. Thanks for your time, Ben. It'll be exciting. Thanks, man. Around the Horn, Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Really pumped about that get. That's like us getting a nice free agent signing. I love that. We'll be back with some Montreal Alouettes talk here on your voice of Rough Riders football, 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Thursday on the Sports Cage, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Michael Ball with my good buddy Sean Kleisinger, producer, and he's morphed into a co-host here and a good one at that. Combine going on in Edmonton. It's a five-day event, although we wouldn't know it because it's not broadcast anywhere, even online. We'll talk to Glenn Suter about that and much more coming up after 5.30. Speaking of that, all the teams are in Edmonton. They had a media availability this week, which was good. CFL did a good job of that. We had a chance to catch up with the Montreal Alouettes, Jason Moss, and the GM, Danny Machocha. First of all, Danny, how much emphasis do you put on the combine in your overall analysis? I mean, obviously, film speaks for itself. I mean, we spend a lot of time watching film, and um, that's where most of our time is. Uh, I would say is is concentrated. Having said that, the, the the combine gives us an opportunity to see them perform live in front of us, just to see the, the way they uh, they interact 
with uh, with uh, with other teammates, the way they take in information, uh, the way they uh, they manage, um, you know, a drill when they go on. Um, if, if there's a one on one, how uh, how they manage uh, when they come out on top of it, or when they come out on the short end of it, just the the body language, just the just the the, the, the whole demeanor as far as the individual is concerned. Obviously, the interview is going to be part of the process here, uh, just to see how they handle themselves in an interview where there's going to be their you know head coach and and football ops people that are going to, you know, they're going to be like a little bit of a rapid fire uh, number of questions because we only have a 15-minute block. So uh, you just get a more accurate reading of basically uh, what you see on film and if if it transfers uh, to the weekend that, the, the, that you know, that we've got before us. Uh, but it's not the end-all, be-all, uh, but it definitely is an indicator of maybe what the uh, what we see on film and uh but you know obviously it's going to be something that's going to be important for us just to get a, a good feel for these individuals that are going to be participating here this week and we're going to factor it in in our evaluation maybe one for jason um jason tell me you know the quarterback um is it easier to build a team around a qb that you know already yeah i mean i think that when you have familiarity with the quarterback um, obviously there's a comfort level with what he can and cannot do and what his strengths and weaknesses will be so yes it's a little bit easier having a relationship already established having coached that player uh you know what he's like in meetings you know what uh, kind of information he can um, understand and how much volume he can deal with you know and obviously the familiarity with a system that you would like to run so I think uh, you're going to see Cody hit the ground running in training camp, be out there leading us, you know, knowing the system that we're running. So next question is from John Hodge. Please go ahead, John. Merci. Bonjour. Danny, uh, two questions for you. The first one, you know that every year the, the top prospects in the draft always go a little bit later because of NFL interest. In 2020, for instance, he took a futures pick in Carter O'Donnell in the third round because you have three selections on the first 13 picks of the draft do you feel like you have more freedom to take a future with one of those picks you know i just don't want to tip my hand here today as far as what our strategy is going to be in in the draft but you are right we did take o'donnell but we also took the and we also took lestage uh knowing full well that they had uh, you know they were pfas and they had an opportunity to go to training camp. And, you know, one we got that same year that we picked him, uh, or the following year because of the COVID year. And then uh, with Lestage, we got him a year later. So you have to be extremely strategic when you take a look at uh, at the uh, at some of these kids that are either going to get drafted late or are going to be priority free agents. And and that goes into the work of the uh, football ops department. We need to call the, the team that drafts them or puts them under contract and see, you know, what their plans are for these players and then you know uh, collect all the data and then you know sit down decide you know what do we want to do at five what do we want to do at seven what do we want to do at 13 and uh, and do we want to pick him and sit on him or do we want to make sure that we have someone that we're going to pick and bring the training cap so these are all topics of conversation that i anticipate that we're going to have here over the next little while but to answer your question it does give us uh, some flexibility yes my second question is regarding uh, tyrell richards who you took with the first pick in last year's draft he played seven games last year had a knee issue had i believe a quad issue 
Are you anticipating that he'll be healthy for training camp? And if so, what do you foresee his role being in 2023? Well, all indications are that he's 100% as we speak. If we were going to training camp next week, he should be a you know full go. He's going he's gonna to get the green light medically to come out and compete first day of camp. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of, uh, of Richards. You know, we also, what we saw last year, unfortunately, you know, he was, um, you know, he was hit with a couple of injuries that shortened this season. But we've got big expectations uh, for Richards. We think he can be a dominating player uh, on special teams, and we think he can possibly have a, an impact on the d- defensive side of the ball. He's the type of guy that you can line at middle linebacker, at outside backer. You can line him up off the edge. You know, we've you know we've seen him do it at Syracuse. And let's not forget that preseason game where you know where he came clean to the quarterback, was able to you know get to the quarterback, jostled the, the ball free, and we we turned it into a a big turnover. So he's got that big play potential. Uh, his biggest challenge is obviously is uh, to stay healthy, uh, and if he comes in with the right mindset, which we anticipate, uh, he should be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, Jason, what gives you confidence that Cody Fajardo is the right guy at quarterback? What gives me confidence? Uh, having dealt with them for two years and one year of COVID, knowing the type of guy he is, the hard worker he is, knowing how he's played in, in games for us uh, down the stretch of games, uh, you know the preparation he's put in, the, the dealings with his teammates, the amount of plays I've seen him make, uh, and the amount of games we've won with him as a, as a starting quarterback that I've been involved with those teams. So um, those are many of the reasons why I believe in Cody. Uh, another thing is, you know, I believe in quarterbacks being smart, accurate, and tough. And I know he's smart. I know he's accurate as a passer. And he's as tough as any quarterback I've, I've coached. Stick with the coach. There's been a lot of player movement this, this offseason. There often is. A lot of quarterbacks moving too. I'm wondering if you, your team aside, uh, is is there kind of do you see as, as a team to beat out there, or, or a team that's particularly intriguing with the moves they've made? I mean, I think I mean this, the CFL is so competitive. I mean, every single year, and last year it was absolutely competitive. Uh, the co- quarterbacks in our league are great, in my opinion, and you know the teams are hard to beat. So I, I would never label as anybody as a front runner or anything like that. I, particularly this time of year because there's so many unknowns. But I just know how difficult it is to win in this league. So regardless of what kind of team you have on paper, you got to go out and prove it each and every week. And, you know, you could throw out all the stats every game. I mean, every game you got to play for four quarters. I know that's the old cliche, but our league more than any seems to come down to those last three minutes of every week. And, uh, you know, and right now everybody's healthy. Everybody's going to come in with uh, renewed vigor and spirit. And just going to be the teams that gel early and often. That's uh, going to be the front or the guys that finish strong at the end. Your thoughts about having three practice sessions this year at the combine for the first time is is that too much of a good thing, or is that is that a good thing? I think well, it remains to be seen. I think um, you know I think it's a great thing anytime we can see more of these athletes um, being coached, seeing how well they do with coaching, doing football related drills. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I, I love about our, our combines in the past compared to any other combines I've seen in football is we get that aspect of a one-on-one period where they're actually going and doing football football uh, activities, you know, and now to throw that into a classroom setting to watch them on the field practice against one another. I think you get to see that learning curve, what guys know, and everything at the combine, what I love about it, regardless of where they play, it's apples to apples, oranges to oranges. They all come in and they're all doing the same types of things. So it's the evaluation of that is huge in my opinion but you know obviously like Danny alluded to earlier 
the film does not lie. What you see over a four-year period in university, and then they come here and they maybe outperform someone in a three-practice period, doesn't mean it's the you know, the, the, the best valuation tool. I just think the more you do football-related activities, the better you get to evaluate. All right, that is Danny Machocha, Jason Moss live from the Combine. We'll talk about the Combine and lack of coverage with Glenn Suter. Press coverage for Quality Tire coming up next on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports ticker at 532s for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. NCAA Men's March Madness Sweet 16. Mm-mm-mm. Gets rolling tonight. Four games, two of them already underway. Taking a look at it, Kansas State with a 43-38 to lead at the half. And the other one is UConn with a 20-15 to lead over Arkansas. That's go with a... Yeah, come on. Go Hogs. Go Hogs. And later on tonight, Florida Atlantic taking on Tennessee. And the late one, Gonzaga, taking on the number two ranked UCLA Bruins. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. March 23rd, 1957, North Carolina beats Kansas and Wilt Chamberlain to win the college basketball championship. Chamberlain becomes the fourth player to win the MOP in spite of being on the losing team. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. QualityTire.ca, the sponsor press coverage with Glenn Suter. Suits, I got this from a texter named Dale the other day. I never got to it. Um, What do you like about... Now, I guess I could say this about Jones' defense, but he only mentioned Shivers' defense. What do you like about the defense Jason Shivers runs? This guy likes, this guy likes, he says, I like the versatility the players have to have. Yeah, and I like the safety movement. I think at times Mike Edda moving around and playing in different spots before he was injured was, you know, was a, a good way to utilize, you know, a sort of uh, misleading the offenses look up and, and, and they get the, a read of one defense and it's not correct and, and you can disguise much easier. Um, you know, if you have the good athletes to do it, then you can do it. I also, he, he does well with edge pressure and it doesn't seem to matter. It could be a younger guy. It could be a Charleston Hughes and the way he's got it set up that he'll, he'll give those edge guys a chance to get more one-on-ones than other teams. So I, I think that's important too, especially when you have real talent out there. So yeah, I, I like his stuff. And I, I do want to add one thing about our discussion before the break, Michael, if I could. Yeah, because, sure. You know, it, it really sounds like it, it, it sounds like when I'm, you know, bringing up these ideas and things that we all know better. And this is one of the things that I just, it, it's been frustrating over the years to say, you know, it just seems like everyone's got the answer for the Canadian Football League. And I, honestly, whether it's talking to The Rock about his new league or, you know, in negotiations with the players' associations and suggesting that we should eliminate. Uh-oh, did we lose him? We lost him, so we'll have to call him back. We, that's he's, he's leaving us hanging there. You can't leave us hanging, Suits. We'll wait for him there. Uh, we got a uh, text here. Just let me find it here uh, at the 936-6262 from Tommy. 
Awesome. Ballsy and zinger at the Combine. Yes. Yeah, we're going to uh, look into doing that next year. You know, it's one thing to complain and uh, say uh, we should do this or we should do that. Um, Got to lead by example. And we are doing that with the draft. And we'll look into uh, furthering our coverage of the uh, CFL next season for sure. Because I'm not one to just sit here and whine and complain and not try to make things better. I tell you what, I've said if I had $2 billion, $3 billion, if I had, listen, if I had about $5 billion... I believe I could fix the CFL in three years. I really believe that. I have ideas. I just don't have the money. Anyway, uh, Suits, you were just about to say, and you got cut off. You're you're leaving us hanging. Sorry about that. Yeah. No. You know what, Michael? Like my, you know, my thought being that right now, the commissioner seems like there's a, a real positive messaging going on. I think the discussion on um, the uh, the expansion into the Maritimes is is solid, and that's that's a good thing. I think the commissioner has done some good. I don't want to always sound like we know better than the league office and things like that. I, I, you know, but I think when you try things, it's okay to discuss things with the XFL, for instance. That's okay, but we have to have great pride in what we do and how and why it's and why it is so great. And somehow that seems to have been lost. We're we're sort of looking at ourselves like we're we're not as good as somebody else or something else and and we got to stop doing that and that goes for everybody it goes for for broadcasters on tsn it goes for coaches and players this is top quality athletes world-class athletes as we've said many times you know we don't know all the answers and we have not sat in the commissioner's chair he's done some good things but when when you see things aren't working, when you see money is going into areas that aren't bringing back any return, I think it's just good, smart business to cut your losses. As you said, put some of the initiatives on hold and move on to other things where you're emphasizing what makes the league great. And one of those things is the Canadian Combine. Yes, and that's, listen, yeah, I know we, we can sound overly critical of the commissioner, but there's no way, in my opinion keep you out of this there's no way in my opinion they can explain a way that they are not doing a basic thing like they can't tell what did it cost them a bazillion dollars to do it last year they did it last year and people tuned in uh anyways anyway i don't want to i just want to move on i'm just saying i i think that's a legitimate that's a legitimate beef and judging by the text and the the reaction i'm getting on twitter it is a legitimate beef people are they're scratching their heads they can't figure it out and when your fan base can't figure it out you got a problem here's another thing i never touched on this with you the last time since we're on the canadian thing i thought jaden dalkey went I had him on uh, before you one of the last times you were on he had an interesting thing to say and he he said Jason Shivers said to him the coach came up to him and said we got an injury Jaden uh Jaden uh, Dalkey's gonna go in but we don't have to because with our ratio we could put an American in and Shivers said no we're gonna go with Dalkey right there and it's what we've talked about all the time that's why you need a ratio because there is a bias against Canadian athletes. And I'm not disrespecting the American coaches for saying that. They just gravitate to their security blanket, American players, what they know. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that the coaches that will really lean into the Canadian content, lean into the ratio rule, and just take pride in it and find the great Canadian athletes, help to develop them. Sometimes they're, they're a year behind some of the American players coming up, as we've talked about. But the guys that do... You know, and I, I, I know this is not the right market to bring it up, but there's a reason that Michael Shea 
when he was given time to group, to build the culture in that team and to build the team, understanding the importance of Canadians in the Canadian Football League, he has been in the fight in the Grey Cup for back to back to back years. And I, you know, I mean, it's that's not a mistake. That's not a fluke. No, it's not. Absolutely not. Great Canadians. Great Canadians are... It's never changed, Glenn. It's never changed. you got to have elite quarterbacking, okay? And I think the Riders got, you know, probably the best in free agency because Bo wasn't in free agency. They got the best quarterback in free agency. You need to have, obviously, depth... And you got to have great Canadians. That's what you got to have to win. It's never changed in this league. And like Mark Tressman said, and we both value his opinion, it's a thinking man's game. And if you can appreciate it's a thinking man's game, Dave Dickinson gets it. Some coaches get it. Wally Buono got it. 57 plus 3, too, is something that Tressman has always said about Canadian football, that that final three minutes took him a couple years to figure out how to manage. And there's a guy that's been in football his entire life in, in all the leagues. Hey, you know, I I just, yeah, you play, let's end, let's end on a positive note here. Okay. You play beer league hockey. You've coached hockey. Uh, Connor McDavid last night, I watched the first goal. He scored his 60th, but his 59th, he put it in off the back of the goalie. I thought, oh, it was just like a flub. He tried to pass it. No, he, that's what he wanted to do. He's like a Harlem Globetrotter on ice. (laughs) Well, you know, I just look at him and, and watch his speed, his acceleration, you know, how he goes past some of the, you know, best defenders in the National Hockey League, the best guys on D in the National Hockey League. And I think Connor McDavid is at a different level. Anyone that would suggest that there's any other player that is the best in the league isn't watching really the fundamentals of the game. They're maybe getting caught up in a lot of the politics of the game and if the guy plays in Toronto or not and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they're not, they're not just looking at the straight skill because the straight skill – and you know what it reminds me of? You mentioned beer league. It reminds me – of that one really good guy on your beer league team that really just kind of goes around everybody else. And he actually sometimes has to turn it down a notch so that, you know, he, he fits into the group. But he's, he's definitely better than everybody, and everybody on the, on the rink knows it, you know, so on the ice. So, you know, I, Connor McDavid to me is that guy. He, he's got a different level. He's got different speed and hand-eye and all of that thing. It was like we, we it's what we used to say about the great one in Wayne Gretzky. And, uh, you know, there's only a few of those guys in the world. Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Connor McDavid's one of them. This is our, uh, this is our uh, Troy Aikman in the CFL. That would be Glenn Suter. Thanks for your time, man. We'll talk to you. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, Michael. Take care. Take care. That is Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Hey, I'm just a wrap-up zinger. Yeah, I get I get fired up, but I get fired up because like I'm a Canadian. I'm a passionate Canadian. I love the Americans. Getting George Reed to sign a bunch of stuff for us. Okay, his statues in front of the stadium. He's one of the great. He is the greatest Rough Rider of all time. Ron Lancaster, I said, the greatest figure in CFL history. Two Americans. Okay, mm-hmm. so I love the Americans, but like I'm not going to apologize for getting fired up over promoting 
the CFL and promoting Canada. You're I'm echoing not. how the fans feel, man. The fans feel the exact same way. We all want to watch the combine. Why isn't the combine there? You know, you would think as the years go by with technology advancing, you would advance with the technology well, I just instead of just canceling it and going well, back to 1990 under- again. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, like I couldn't watch Glenn Suter run up and down because we didn't We're have that. back to the 90s, I guess. Yeah, we're having blackouts next. <laughs> like, here, like I just don't understand. Last year, they did it. I watched the one-on-ones with the fill pots and everything, and and this year they're not doing it, but they're changing the model and making it. So you're giving us five days of nothing instead of two days of something. I don't get it. Anyway, we had a great show today. We got a great show lined up tomorrow. You could check out this rant fest on <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.